Wow, it is smoking hot in this podcast studio of ours. Ooh, you find? Yeah, don't you my, find it warm? My apartment's so cold, man. Like, <laughs> AC just blasting through the heat pump. That's I didn't know you had AC. I don't think I did know that. Yeah, so my landlord has a heat pump that works as AC in the summer. Yeah. I think he uses it for himself upstairs, which would be a, a certain degree warmer for sure. Right. So it's that much colder downstairs, which is already, like, pretty cool down are there, you in a basement kind of yeah oh that's the dream anyway yeah it's super like jen is friggin' in love yeah and in the summer in the winter i like it because i i find it's really warm yeah okay like he just like the heat's up enough for me it's always in a good way yeah i don't i don't think of you as somebody who minds the heat as much as certain people though no i really don't and jen does yeah like i would prefer i might prefer my apartment to be around this temperature oh my god whereas mine's like really cool that's so awful it's good for sleeping i guess i don't mind like being able to get under the covers but yeah no that's i i feel like i've been sticky for three months really yeah wow yeah i find and that's that's the problem i have with with summer in general is that the heat is um inescapable yeah and i have a real problem with how taboo it is to say that you're you're not allowed you're not allowed to go around another weather qualm from <laughs> Colin Sweets. It's it's not a weather qualm. It's a it's a social qualm. It is a social qualm. Yeah, a lot of a lot of your weather qualms stem from a, a social um, the way people behave about view. the weather. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's just this thing where like because we sometimes have nasty winters. If right. it's forty degrees outside right. and the shirt that you put on looks like you just like ran it through a brook, right. Uh, if you say, oh my God, it's too hot. Somebody jumps down your throat. Somebody gets really defensive about it. And they're like, you won't be saying that in, in four months when there's right. a blizzard. No, maybe I won't be and, saying and that. And you're like, why do you care what I say about the weather? <laughs> they're very, they're almost a little bit superstitious. I think they're a little bit afraid so. that I'm going to scare mother nature out of giving us sunny days. <laughs> it's straight up game of Thrones. Winter is coming. But it's, it's, like it's so years. silly. Like just because you don't like blizzards doesn't mean you have to suffer through pizza oven temperatures i know you you're like a, a big time fall person aren't oh you? yeah you love the fall i mean i'm a hipster <laughs> crunchy leaves baby yeah sweaters and and pumpkin spice lattes and neck beards and glasses <laughs> i guess i have a neck beard kind of a neck beard going yeah i think i think part of the reason i do what i do is because I, it means i don't have to shave more than every 10 days and you know what i i heard that too and then i listened to a podcast the other day that like someone in vietnam was saying you know when it all went downhill was when people stopped shaving, and I was like, "Do I need to shave every day?" Does he mean like, like when the world all went downhill? No, no, no. When soldiers in Vietnam went oh. downhill, <laughs> like started losing their sanity or rebelling. Or oh, whatever. I see. That all happened when they st- like stopped caring about. I their... thought he meant like culturally. No. Yeah. No. I'm sure I'd be a. Honestly, I think I'd be a happier person if I shaved every day. Really? Yeah. No, I, th- I think that I think that it would probably do some kind of, you know, how like when, when you People say like making your bed is absolutely better everything in the morning, that kind of thing. When you take care of stuff, when you take out the garbage, when you shovel the litter, right? When you do a shovel bunch of things, <laughs> it's, it's satisfying to get the thing that you know, you're supposed to do done. Right. And I also prefer the look of me without facial hair. Sure. Um, so for like 24 hours after I've shaved, I'll catch myself in the mirror and i'll be like hey good looking <laughs> oh who's this guy yeah and then it'll go away and i'll spend the next 18 days kind of uncomfortable with myself <laughs> but you just don't want to shave every day well it, I, it takes almost it takes upwards of a half an hour to shave i find do you find well maybe i need to get a better razor 
I think you do. <laughs> Are you still wearing and using the same razor from the first time you started shaving? No. that's the way it sounds. No, but razor blades are so expensive. Yeah, you're right. And so if I'm at the grocery store and I'm getting a few things, I'm either of the mind that like, no, I'm not going to get razor blades. I'm just getting a few things. Do you have an electric razor? Yep. But yeah. you have to replace the blades in that too. I, uh, well, that you could actually not do for like a year. Right. But it's been two years <laughs> or more. God. And so like a couple of weeks ago, uh, Becky and I were going out for a nice dinner on my birthday. And so I was like, okay, I have to shave. We're going to go to a nice restaurant. And so she was watching something on TV. So I knew to shut the door, not because of the, the motor of the razor, but because I knew she was going to be able to hear me going, ow. <laughs> ah, ah. The tug and pull. Yeah, the tug and pull. The other thing is that I, I usually get some kind of rashiness or like a breakout of some kind uh, after I've shaven. Okay. Gotcha. So it's just like, I, I guess it's okay that I live in a world where men typically don't shave because yeah. I blend in. I don't look like as much of a dirtbag as I otherwise might, but I wish I could bring myself to shave more often. It would make me a more happy person. Really? Yep. I say you just start doing it. Yeah. Start like tomorrow. Be the change. Be the change you want to see in the world. Gandhi. And he <laughs> but, had a mustache, but no other facial hair. And I think it, I think he shaved. He probably shaved the rest, yeah. And and his head. Yep. And he it made him a happier well. person. That's why he was so enlightened. Do you think he was a happy person? Mm, I'm going to say the prison and stuff probably put a bit more of a damper on it, but... Yep. It was tough. Gandhi was in prison. Yeah, I think he was in prison. I'm not. I'm not confusing him with Nelson Mandela. I okay, think he was actually. That's what like I was was curious in about for a bit. Because Nelson Mandela was definitely in prison. Yeah, and he he was he was, was pretty he clean shaven. He was clean shaven, perfectly clean shaven. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he was in prison. Let's think about the greats that were clean shaven here. We got Nelson Mandela. Martin Luther King had a mustache also, but mm-hmm. he was otherwise clean shaven, like true. a reverend would be. Yep. Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, you got your boy Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton, <laughs> that's true. When was the last time there was like Hillary Clinton? Hillary Clinton always is clean, clean shaven. shaved. As far, well, you know what though, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't be so sure. Spoiler alert! This show show explores television content that's been available for consumption for quite some time. If a spoiler or two slips into the conversation, well, you were warned. Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. I'm pretty sure there's another The Show Show podcast. Really? Yeah. I I looked up the other day and I think there's another one. Okay. And I'm like, how did that happen? It definitely wasn't around before. I don't know. I haven't searched our show name in a long time. it came after us. I don't know if we need to like challenge them to like a a, a duel, a pot off, a pot off. <laughs> well, we could just change the name of our show. It wouldn't break my heart too much. That's true, but let's not let these assholes get it. You're right. Well, we should listen to their show. Yeah, if it's true. like really good, we should be like, oh, okay, <laughs> we'll concede. <laughs> but if it's, if it's just... terrible, we we could start a Twitter feud. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We have at Show Show Podcast. We could tweet them and say, hey, especially if we started first. Yeah. How did you come across this? How did you discover it? I think I was just looking to show my friend that I did a podcast. Yeah. When we looked it up, there was another The Show Show. Oh, no. I, think, I don't think this was a dream. Is the premise the same? I, no, I think it might be about like sports. It's not even a good name. I know. We should come up with a new name for them right now. Okay. A show about sports. All sorts of sports. Oh, that's so good. It's also like a Halifax Sport and Social Club program. Sports for sports. <laughs> We know our stuff. That's, That's literally right. they could just use the Cleves jingle. They should do that. It's they good. Should. It's good press. And it Cleves. might be in the states. Cleves is in the states. Go for it, guys. Yeah, we have a franchise of sporting goods here in Halifax 
called Cleve Source for Sports. Mm-hmm. You can take the jingle. No one will know. <laughs> Let's tweet that at them if we find it after the show. I tweeted today just just to put a little wax seal on my depressing rant at the start of the podcast. <laughs> okay. I tweeted today, sometimes you feel all the sadness of Fast Car and none of the soul. Like a bad version of Fast Car. And that's the worst feeling. <laughs> and within seconds, Rhea May favorited it. Nice. Uh, <laughs> and Rhea I was would. like, oh, I feel better. I don't feel all the sadness of Fast Car anymore. That's great. Yeah. Rhea May would find that really funny, I think. On the on the note of funny, we've picked two very amusing shows for tonight's podcast. We did. Two of the greats. You did a great job in, in, in pairing these up, I think, because Tina and Amy mm-hmm. are a unit. Yeah. People think of them as one. They've done award shows together. They've done the Golden Globes three times. People like to think of them as as the best of friends. Yeah. So they hosted Weekend Update together. They were on Saturday Night Live at roughly the same time. Mm -hmm. They both leave and they both do their own NBC sitcoms. Yeah. Do you want to start with 30 Rock? Sure. Yeah. I think that probably came first. Yep. I find it interesting, uh, just just sticking with the, the comparison of the two women, I find it interesting that Tina's comedy is less broad and more absurd, where yes. she's still more mainstream than Amy. You're right. But you know what I found was that based on the first two pilots, 30 Rock knew exactly what it was, and it stayed what it was that's, all the way through. That's really the biggest criticism people have of Parks and Rec. Yeah. It really needed to find itself yep. because it was such a ripoff of The Office. Although it had like it had funny parts. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, let's since we're going there, the the Parks and Rec pilot is an episode I've seen more and more, and because I adore the show and have feelings of reservation towards the first season, like mm-hmm. most true fans do, I've given it enough of a chance that I appreciate it to an extent. Totally. But you're so right. I mean, it was it was conceived as a spinoff of The Office. Right. They wanted to do a show that was set in the same universe, um, and like the same production crew that was making the the documentary in the office was now doing one about right. uh, small town government and did they step away from the the documentary thing more and more as parks and rec went on or did they, they stick with it they definitely stuck with it through the end yeah i don't know if they used it less right okay but i mean some of the tropes stayed the same like adam scott looks to the camera in the same way jim does in the right, office sure i have i have um a chart that i made up that basically compares each character in the first episode of Parks and Rec to somebody in the office. Oh, can I? Can you quiz me on it? I can, and there are there are some flaws in it. Some of them work more seamlessly than others. Okay. But to start with, Leslie also, obviously. Michael Scott. I mean, she's so rigid and has this weird social attitude. Right. That she completely loses. She becomes, I mean, she always stays quirky and weirdly enthusiastic. That's kind of the crux of the Leslie Nope character. Yeah. But she develops an ability to talk to people like they're humans like leslie in the pilot episode of parks and rec can't she's a, talk to people she's a little awkward and she's like yeah yeah you're right and i mean to, to be fair to michael scott he becomes more human as well but he's oblivious to him being socially inept in any way you're so right ron this is kind of weird ron swanson is the dwight of parks and rec he, okay. Only because he is so not a real person. Like he's he's such a cartoon character, right? And he's so rigid, right? And and, and he's lives got his, on another planet. He's got his like ideals laid out and his lifestyle, right. That he's so sure about, right? Like obviously there are huge distinctions between the two characters, and they're both brilliant comedic actors. Like I don't know how the characters were written before those people were brought in, right? But he is the D- the Dwight archetype. Right. In that show. So who would you have, like, Andy as? 
Andy in the pilot episode, Andy Dwyer yeah. in the pilot episode of, of Parks and Rec is Roy from The Office. Is Oh, yeah, you're right. He's totally him. You're right. We, I mean, this is a character who who was written off the show. He just starts as as Pam's fiance. Yeah. And the thing about Andy is he he was just, uh, it says in the credits in the opening season, guest starring Chris right. Pratt as Andy. He becomes so funny in the show and so silly. So like, fun. I mean, so lovable and huggable. Yeah, right. But in the, in the first episode, he's not a good boyfriend. No. He, I mean, he's funny, but he's, and he, I guess he's a dummy. Right. But, but he, he's also like neglectful. It's not cute. He's right. like, he's quite, quite cruel to Anne. Yeah. The same way Roy is quite cruel to Pam. Like right. you think, oh, I don't want them to be together. Right. That yeah, you're exactly right. And so Anne is the Pam. And and he Chris Pratt even kind of looks like Roy did. Yeah, I know. That's I mean, that's how it makes it easy to to right. draw the connection. Sure. It's it's so interesting the trajectory of Chris Pratt. Right. I mean, the springboard that Parks and Rec was for yes. that guy's acting career. For that guy and Aziz and Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, Aubrey Plaza too, yeah. And Nick Offerman too. Yeah. All of them, really. Like but Aziz's character also not the same throughout the entire season. No, he develops, but I wrote him down as he's a he's a bit of an amalgam of Andy Bernard. Yep. Nardog. Yep. Nardog. And Ryan. He's he's cocky. Right. And Temp he's Ryan. and he's confident. You're right. But he's also not as cool as he thinks he is. I would put him in more of a Ryan based on that first episode. Definitely yes. Ryan. Based on the first episode. Yeah. But he's got all this, like, he's got all this Aziz Ansariness to him later on in the yeah. show. Because, I mean, the pilot wasn't written with Aziz in mind. The character's no. name is Tom Haverford. Right. Right? And doesn't he have a wife in it? Like, isn't... Because he's on the phone at one point saying, like... Yeah, and he oh, says to Anne, I'm, like, I'm married. Yeah. We find out later it's a green card marriage. Oh. And, and so right. somebody says, but I thought you were from... Because the whole joke is about how he he's Indian, right. so but I thought you were actually from South Carolina, yeah. like Aziz actually is. I mean, he's the yeah. Indian guy with this with a Southern accent. Yeah. Um, and his wife Wendy is Canadian, and she uh, she married okay. Aziz, and she's beautiful. And then she goes on a date with Ron, and that was and, and Aziz was sad because he had a hot wife, even though they were platonic. <laughs> okay. I've been through that show a number of times. The funny thing that that I was thinking about was how all the characters ended up like interdating how do you mean chris uh andy starts out with Anne. Anne. yep ends up going with aubrey plaza yep i mean they get together pretty early on and they get married really early on tom at one point dates Anne for yep. a second briefly but you never really think that's gonna work no you you kind of know it's a they won't she 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 dates rob Lowe before that right they, so it goes rob Lowe then him yep and then she goes back with roblo and that's kind of the way they end up right so she dates like three different guys on the show yep by the time they bring in the ben and chris character Mm -hmm. the roblo and adam scott characters the show had figured out who it was right but i i think i think the brandanowitz character was supposed to be the gym i mean he's again he gets that everyone else around him is crazy yeah and he's rational yes but he's i was gonna say yeah brandanowitz is jim but he's not charming like like no john krasinski and he's like he he kind of comes off as a bit of a douchebag in the first episode which jim does not no you're right absolutely not and i mean he's fine it's the episodes that he's in are not the poorer because of him. Right. They're maybe the poorer because they don't have Ben and Chris. Right. Um, but he voluntarily left the show. Yeah. Or I mean, like he might've been written out, but like he wasn't interested in staying there. Gotcha. Which is interesting. 
Well, honestly, after that first season, like you could understand why people wouldn't be that interested. I was I remember watching the pilot episode and kind of being like a bit turned off and and didn't really start tuning in again till I caught like an episode in season 3. Yeah, but the the first season was only 6 episodes. Yeah. And then Brandanowick sticks around for the second season. Right. Like uh, Rob Lowe and Ben uh the Adam Scott character don't come in until the end of season 2. Right. So there's very little overlap there. It was interesting. The other night I was with some friends at the Freeman's Trivia Night. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever been to Freeman's Trivia, but they have like one guy who goes to all the different Freemans and he does trivia on a different night of each week. And we actually did okay. There were a few that I knew the answer to that my team insisted on writing something else. And oh, I that's ended up frustrating. Being, it's, it's not really frustrating because once they see that you were right, that's <laughs> all that matters. Right. That's true. But the, the question, there was a question which was in the show Parks and Recreation... Where is Leslie Nope? Where was she born? Right. And the answer is Eagleton, which right. is like the the, the sister the city. Of, yes. Yeah. Exactly. It's the sister city to, to Pawnee where they're from. And she loves Pawnee, so she really she loathes that she's technically from, from Eagleton. Eagleton. Yeah. Um and so we got that answer correct, because I, I knew to consider that. Mm-hmm. But then as part of his his banter, the host of the trivia night, he starts saying a show that was on for seven or eight years. I don't even know how they got a second episode because if you watch the pilot, that show was terrible. And they had to like hold me back. Wow. Because like, yeah, the pilot wasn't amazing. But a lot of people liked Parks and Rec by the time it went off the air. That's right. It didn't It didn't like keep being the weird bad show that it was no. from the one episode that you watched. That show is like a cult darling. Right. So he just watched the pilot episode and then never And gave it stuck it with chance. him because it's been like eight years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he still felt that adversity towards yeah. Parks and Rec. Yeah, like he he put the question in his trivia night in, in spite of it like it really being a sore spot for him. But why like the Eagleton thing? Like he would have to know something about it. I don't think he makes he just... up the questions. Oh, okay. I think he must have a book or something. Gotcha. So that was that was kind of frustrating. For yeah, me. you shouldn't get that opinionated when you're hosting trivia. <laughs> That's, it should be like being a radio announcer. Like you you're not that opinionated when you I'm not that, are on the radio. I'm not that controversial, but uh, an easy comparison is a few weeks ago, I talked about how bad the movie Bad Moms was. Uh, okay. And a lady wrote into the Facebook page to say that I was a jackass. Oh, wow. And like me, me and my daughter went to that movie and we had a lovely night. The, uh, the thing that I have to remember is that this woman was looking for something to be mad about. Right. Right? Yeah. Like, she was already... She wasn't having a great day at that point, It wasn't about me. It was never about me. But, like, to imply that I somehow insulted her relationship with her daughter... Yeah. ...because I didn't like the movie Bad Moms... Right. Doesn't mean your daughter's relationship with you is a sham. And, by the way, she's wrong for liking Bad Moms. Right. Dreadful (laughs) dreadful movie. I haven't seen it. Don't see it. No. It was really disappointing, actually, because, like, it was one of those movies you go to knowing it's not going to be a masterpiece. Right. But you might get some cheap laughs out of it. Sure. Unless I'm worth it. You haven't seen War Dogs yet, have you? No, I don't think it's out yet. I think it, like, just came out. It comes out tonight, which, I mean, I guess this comes out next week. So, yeah. Jonah Hill was on Howard yesterday. Oh, yeah. Um, and he's like a big Howard Stern mm-hmm. fan. Seth Rogen was just on, too. Yeah, to promote Sausage, Sausage Party. Party. Yeah. I did see Sausage Party. Did you? Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah. You did? Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, it's, I want to see it. it uh, you'll like it. It's yeah. interesting because, the, I mean, the animation's really beautiful. Right. And the story is really cute. Mm-hmm. The, within a half an hour, you you get pretty accustomed to the the cursing cartoon character thing. Right. Like, it's kind of funny at first, and then you're kind of used to it. Right, but it, but it becomes basically like, it's still a Pixar movie. But with swearing 
and a little bit more like graphic. Like the yeah. storyline would probably carry if they made the language a little bit friendlier. Sure, yes. In a Pixar Except style. in the last half hour, they go all out. Oh, and really? They, they, they kind of relearn how to shock you. Oh, okay. They, they, yeah. It, it, so I was still enjoying the film. Right. But for about an hour in the middle, I was kind of like, okay, this is just, this doesn't need to be really, it doesn't need to be an R-rated movie. Okay. Um, except for that they curse a lot and they make like weed references or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then in the end, there's some stuff that just like, I've never <laughs> seen in a movie in my life. <laughs> what? Oh my God. It's, but you liked it. Yeah, no, I had a blast. Okay, and there was great. like, in in the last 10 minutes, there's some shocking stuff that happens sure. that has the theater in like a panic. They're like, they're like gasping for breath. They're laughing so hard. Really? It's, it's an uproar. And Becky and I were silent. Like we turned to each other and my jaw was like on the sticky floor. I was really? like, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Oh my God. And that's not overstating it. You'll, you'll. You'll see what I mean when you see wow, it. Wow. I can't. I, yeah. I don't want to hear any, uh, any more hints about what that might be. I just like can't wait to experience it for myself. Tracy Morgan was on Howard this week. And like that was really interesting because he was I such bet. a such a regular on the show. And yeah. he hasn't been back since his accident. Oh, really? Yeah. He's a pretty open book too. He's, he's an interesting guy. Like I don't really have a problem saying I don't really get Tracy Morgan. Okay. Um, and I think he's probably really funny, but he's hard to listen to on Howard because he doesn't really pay attention. He's just he's like just going rambling. Like, I got my leg blown off in Vienna. Yo, Huey Lewis, my biological father. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, that's his whole thing. That's his whole thing. And it's funny, but he's not listening. No. He's not listening to And then just all of a sudden he's crying. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, he used to do that on, on Howard before his accident. Like, right. So like he's an emotional, interesting person. But it's kind of confusing to listen to. Right. Anytime Tina Fey comes up, he starts crying, which is very sweet. Right. He loves Tina like, Fey. That's my girl. She's the, yeah, that's me. my sister from another mister. He oh, okay. Says. Yeah. Right. That's, I mean, that's as good a segue as we're going to get. Uh, 30 Rock is not a show that I watched uh, like passionately. No? But I've seen most of it. Right. If not all of it. Okay. I'm a big, big 30 Rock fan. I think I think it's incredible. I mean, it holds the record for most Emmy nominations or most Emmy wins. I think for a, for a comedy, yeah, twenty two or something crazy. Well, I think it had twenty two in like one year. Yeah, that's what I mean. Right. Yeah, yeah and that was the record. Yeah. Um, it's it's a brilliant show. I remember when it came on, and I really got excited about Studio sixty really fast, and it came on at the same year. Yeah. And both are shows about the behind the scenes of a sketch comedy show. Mm-hmm. Both are NBC shows, and a lot of people will say that one of the reasons that Studio sixty didn't work is because it launched the same year. Oh, as 30 interesting, Rock. because it was infringing kind of on the sketch comedy. That's territory. ridiculous. Yeah. And if you know both of those shows, you would never think that. Right. Because they're they couldn't be more different. And Thirty Rock the first year, I don't think got the best ratings. I think it was. Crazy. Critically liked. You're right, but the same could be said for Studio 60, and in fact, it got atrocious ratings, yeah. uh, abominable ratings. There's really nothing to compare them by. No, they're not the same at all. Not at all. Um, and and actually, you know, funny little segue from that. Apparently, Tina Fey said that the way that she wanted to make 30 Rock was not unlike the newsroom, and that okay. it would be a news show around kind of a Bill O'Reilly style figure. Oh, I love that. And and she was going to be kind of one of the producers on the show. Was he going to be Alec Baldwin? No. Because it, I know she wrote the Jack Donaghy character with him in mind. In fact, she wrote all those characters, uh, save for Jenna. Right. Who she had Rachel Dratch in mind for. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. Why couldn't she get Rachel Dratch? Well, apparently they said... They, Rachel, wanted, they Rachel, wanted someone hotter? 
that's I think what it came down to. They said, okay, we were thinking that we we were going to make this show more of a. They didn't think they were going to go the sketch comedy route okay. so much. They were like, hey, we're kind of out on the sketch comedy thing. It's going to be centralized around a different thing. Mm-hmm. So Rachel Dratch was then out, but then they put Jenna or <laughs> Jenna Maroney, uh, uh, Jane Krasinski, Krakowski, Krakowski. Yeah, I think so. Something Polish. Yeah. And uh, she ended up just kind of like stealing the show a little bit. Like she was she's super so talented. comedic. Yeah. She's very and, talented. And Rachel Dratch ends up playing 10 characters throughout the entire show. Too. Does she? Like she's just always on. Like the first episode, she's on playing like a cat specialist. Because if they were going to do a, a show of like the behind the scenes at a, at a, a, a cable news show, yep. like a Fox, like the Jack Donaghy character would work for that. And Alec Baldwin would be good casting. I think so too. But apparently one of... Tina Fey's like former producers at SNL convinced her like why don't you just write about like late night TV that's kind of what you've always done and it's what you know and she was like uh it seems lazy but sure whatever I'll do it yeah and uh it doesn't really matter she had John Hamm actually auditioned for the role of Donaghy (laughs) and didn't get it interesting and ended up coming back later and playing a love interest he played a, a doctor who was like an absolute to like should not have got he coasted by on his good looks okay but he didn't know that the reason he was getting through was because of his good looks okay so he was like a terrible doctor i like the reoccurring uh it's like an ongoing joke in 30 rock that she is such a mess but she has only the most beautiful boyfriends like she has yeah. she, she has matt damon for a while right yep and uh james marsden yep uh, and and John Hamm, like she only like her her she, her long term boyfriends in that show are like really supremely good looking guys. guys. Yeah, but she's such a mess and like she she can't get her life together. And, and one of the one of the writers actually said like it's kind of funny we we made the show a little bit more right wing than left wing because Liz was always in the wrong and Donaghy was always in the right. That's so interesting, isn't it? So in that regard, yeah, it was a little bit more right leaning. That's that's a really good observation. We talked about that recently on the podcast that it's very hard to make comedy out of yeah of conservatism. But they, but they did it in a way that I don't think I would have got. I don't think that I would have picked that up. Like, oh right, she's this left wing like loser. But it's a similar principle in Parks and Rec with the character of Ron, who is supposed to be a libertarian, right? And they like really drive that home, and he's really anti-government. Mm-hmm. Who apparently is based on a real guy who the who Mike Sure met when he was researching the show, or whatever, oh, really? like a real like government worker who oh, was against government or whatever. Um, and he was obviously great casting, and probably another another one of those characters who evolved into uh, an inflated version of what the real guy was. Right. I think that's what Nick Offerman really is to yeah, an extent. Definitely. But he is staunch and mm-hmm. and conservative in a lot of ways, and maybe a show about government. Wouldn't be quite as cute if there was a voice of reason who was conservative. Right. Yeah, so maybe I Maybe that was their reason for not going and all he, in. I remember hearing a podcast with him on Nerdist where he ended up going head to head with a few other people. But I forget what it was that just they were like, Nick Offerman is for sure the guy. Jim O'Hare, who plays Jerry on the show, auditioned for Ron. Right. And he didn't get it. And they didn't really have a, a, a role for him yet. But right. they liked him. So they kept him around. And so he's like an extra in the pilot. Right. Um, I think Jerry's so funny in that. Jerry show. is impossibly funny. Yeah, the scapegoat of <laughs> yeah. yeah when he has a fart attack. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> and really the funny. other characters, Donna, who I don't know if they had big plans for Donna. I know Octavia Spencer uh, auditioned for that part, but that was before she was an Oscar winner. So right. So maybe it was just like a, an extra part then. But that's another character who like turned into this interesting, well-rounded, like dynamic character. Yeah. 
actually not that dynamic, but but certainly exciting to watch. Yeah, the treat yourself. Right, which episode. is like a big cultural institution now. Yeah. People say treat yourself without knowing what it comes from. Totally. Back on to 30 Rock, I'm trying to think of uh, other cool things that I learned about 30 Rock today. Donaghy, uh, Jack said he based himself on Lauren Michaels a little bit. That's weird. Yeah. He's, he just said, like, Lauren Michaels is the type of guy who keeps a tuxedo in the glove compartment of his car. <laughs> and, like, he's like, you know, I, and I'm good friends with Lauren, but I really like to stick it to him. I, I get it, honestly. Yeah. I, I, I can kind of see that without knowing very much at all about Lauren Michaels, what right. I've heard about him, the legend of Lauren Michaels, kind of, that kind of works. Like, I don't think Lauren is, like, bigoted and ridiculous like, like Jack is. Right. But he is kind of ridiculous He takes himself way. kind of seriously. Such that almost nobody who works with him can. Right. Well, they do yeah. revere him, but but also they know how right. how. And it's such a legend that like he never laughs in the auditions <laughs> and like. But I don't think that's true. No, I don't think so either. One of the best, and it's a bit of a cliche, but one of the best Thirty Rock lines is is when uh, Liz comes into Jack's office and he's wearing a, a tuxedo and and she says, "You're wearing a tuxedo," and he says, "It's after six. What am I, a farmer?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's it's 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 apparently time to have 10 jokes every minute wow which is quick writing yeah it's quick writing donald glover was a writer on it for a while yeah uh, she, she mentioned him in, in bossy pants that that he was the only black writer they they had oh and really that, and that that was troubling for them like and right. when, when he left they were like really like really bothered that they didn't have another Very, minority like, on the writing staff snl style scenario is it? Well, I mean, when SNL finally hired, like, Sashir Zameda, mm-hmm. it was like, whoa, SNL finally hired a black woman. This is crazy. The I first actually, black woman since Maya Rudolph in, like, five or six years. I actually think they, they hired her because they were getting criticized a lot. Yeah. And not oh, not to discredit her talent, because I actually think she's underutilized. Yeah, she definitely is. She's really funny. And I think Leslie Jones, probably a little bit overutilized. She's really being celebrated right now, isn't yeah. she? It's a bit of a... I like Leslie Jones, though. I, I do, too. I think she's yeah. really funny, and I think it's cool that they hired a 46-year-old woman. Yeah, um, true. That's like... And, and like, she, she came highly recommended. Like, Chris Rock went to Lauren Michaels and said, this is the funniest woman I know. You should put her on the show. Really? Because she's not famous and she seems like she's probably got a good heart and yeah. she's definitely obviously funny i think she's funny on update yep yep with the editorial stuff mm-hmm. she's i think the world is just kind of overcorrecting right now because yeah. <laughs> people were being racist to her on twitter so now everyone's right. like oh we need to coddle leslie jones and yeah that was that got a little bit crazy kind of disturbing how it, racist that it got. was disturbing yeah it was really awful but I don't know if we have to like overcorrect for it. Yeah, I don't think that's the right thing You're to right. do. You're right. Um, like Ellen is in trouble this week because of the Photoshop. I heard you. I heard your break on this today, and I didn't. I still don't really know about it. I was going to ask you on this very podcast. So Ellen DeGeneres, she she tweeted uh, a Photoshop of her riding on the back of Usain Bolt. <laughs> okay. And the caption was just, "This is how I'm getting my groceries from now on." So it's an easy joke. It's just like he's the fastest man alive. Sure. I'm gonna. He's faster than my but car. People automatically. To this he, is so racist. This is racist because he's because he's a a black man. So you're like treating him like a an animal, and, right? And what I said on the air was it's it's a little ironic that it's such a fine line between passive racism and not seeing color because you're not a racist, right? So she's one or the other. She's, she's one or the other passive racist, or she's someone who's so pure that she does not see anything as racist because it 
shouldn't be seen as racism. But I saw the picture and I wasn't offended. Again, I don't know if I'm entitled to an opinion because sure. I'm a white male. Right. I know Usain Bolt retweeted it before it like exploded. Oh, did he? He thought it was funny. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Usain Bolt was like, man, she's just doing this because I'm black. Well, again, like, he's like if, if I'm if, the fastest person in the world, she obviously wasn't doing it because she, I mean, maybe it was in poor taste. Maybe it shouldn't have been done. Again, it's not up to me. But. Ellen DeGeneres is not a racist. No. Like, that's ridiculous. No. But if the fastest man alive happened to be white and she made the same joke, no people people wouldn't have said anything. So the joke is does stand on its own. Mm-hmm. And it would have been just as funny if Usain Bolt was white. Right. So the joke does stand on its own, and it's a little bit perverse for you to apply something evil to it. And also, isn't it a little bit racist to consider that in the first place? Right. You know, like, I, my mind wouldn't even go there. Right. But again, I've never been a victim of, you know, generations of discrimination. Sure. So you can talk yourself in circles. <laughs> That's true. Great segue into what do you think about uh, the SNL uh, layoffs? We talked about this last week. Did we? Yep. Um, With Taron Kill and Jay Farrow and... Yeah, and John, John Rudnitsky, Rud, uh, Rudzinski okay. or whatever. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jay Farrow and Taron Killam both just got hired to do a Showtime show. Oh, did they? So they're going to be on the same show. I don't know what it is, but oh, they're going to cool. be on the same thing Maybe together. they knew that too. Maybe it was kind of like a more of an obvious thing. Well, in... Inside. Taron Killam commented on, on the, the layoffs, if that's what you want to call it. Okay. And or it was really a firing. I mean, right. they, they actively chose not to have him anymore. Yeah. And he was surprised by it. Oh, okay. He said, like, he wanted to have another season. Like, he was counting on the next season being his last and, like, he would oh, make wow. an exit. Sure. I, I think probably because he was around for a, a pretty substantial exodus of important players on that show. Yeah, and it seems a little unfair. I mean, I know that he's, prob- he's probably not in the same league, at least right now anyway, as what Kristen Wiig was when she left, like definitely not, but they had a fucking celebration for Kristen Wiig when had, she left. Like they, they did like what, like Ruby Tuesday. They played the Ruby Stones Tuesday and, they and like, Lauren came out and slow danced with her. Yeah. It Wasn't was like, that what it was insane. It was kind of, it was kind of over the top. It's actually. way over the top. It, and in like part of the, part of the Marin interview, she's actually very winning in it because she's yeah. just a very shy person. Okay. And I kind of suspected that about her because she's not good on talk shows or whatever, but right. Lauren really respects her and he's very kind to her and they sure. have they have a good intimate chat. But it's almost like because she's shy and she's not really a comedian by trade, like right. she happened to get in at Groundlings. Right. She was more of just wanted to be an actor. She just went to LA to be an actress. She got into ground, Groundlings, uh, you know, to do some work, had an obvious natural gift. Right. And... Seth Meyers says that hers was the best audition he ever saw for SNL. Whoa. And he saw them all. Yeah. Um, so obviously she has something and she's objectively funny. But it's almost like because she is underconfident, mm-hmm. they feel like they have to raise her up. And right. and so like it was almost like, oh, look, our, our little girl grew up and we're going right. to have Lauren slow dance with her. As, yeah. if, as if she's getting married to another guy. Right. But... Uh, the same year, uh, Fred Armisen had a send-off. Bill yep. Hader had a last Stefan where they did like a big pre-tape thing. Yep. And and uh, Jason Sudeikis was in the whole kind of mix because they mm-hmm. were all gone that year. I and think. Sandberg was the year before. Right. What'd they do for Sandberg, though? Uh, I don't think he. I don't think it was as known that he was leaving at the time. Maybe not. I think not. he kind of just like bailed in the offseason. But he chose to leave. Yeah. Yeah, he did. And, and uh, to be fair to, to the network's decision or Lauren's decision, or whoever came up with it, mm-hmm. I mean, Adam Sandler got fired too. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know. There, Plenty there, of people th- have been fired. That there is a great. history of that show being cutthroat, and it seems like there's less of that now. I don't know if it's because Lauren's getting soft, but I've like Keenan and Bobby, 
it doesn't seem like they're going to get fired from that show. Right. Now, they're still really good. Yeah. But they've been there a while. That's true. I, I've heard that a lot of the cutthroatedness uh, used to be very cutthroat internally, like with all of the all of the actors, mm-hmm. because they all came from a stand-up background for the most part. Which is competitive. Which is super competitive and solo and you're on your own. And then once it turned a little bit more to improv like will will ferrell and like all these improv groups like everyone was working to make the scene better so they were just such a better overall team i think will ferrell is largely credited with changing the culture of snl to, yeah to make I it more more family oriented and like because he just wanted everyone to laugh right and people couldn't not laugh at him right it, it just kind of changed the nature of the way things were but you've i think we've talked about before how there used to be a thing in the in the the table read where people would like suppress laughter to make their own sketch seem funnier. So like if you wrote a sketch and I I wanted to make sure my mine got into the show, right. I would make sure the laughter for mine was louder than your laughter right. yeah, yeah, because exactly. I wanted my sketch. So there was all of these politics and this this diabolical nature to to the the politics of the show. Right. And I don't know if that still happens. I get the impression that it's not. Mm, not quite as crazy. Sandberg said one time about how there's all these rumors about what a what a drug circus SNL used to be. Right. And now it's like you pass Seth Meyers in the hallway and you're like, hey, what juice cleanse are you on? Right. That it's like entirely different. Mm-hmm. I believe that. Speaking of SNL, mm-hmm. Tina and Amy, kind of kind of SNL royalty, at least for our generation. Yep. Um, and they're from that first part of that prime era. There, there has there has started to be a woman's boom in comedies, specifically in like sketch comedy, and yep. not just with SNL, but like Inside Amy Schumer. Yeah, people are finally starting to notice that women are equally funny. In the last couple of years on SNL, women have been funnier. Yep. For the last ten or fifteen years, starting with Tina and Amy, there has been a bit of a girls' club on SNL, which is objectively funny. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's cool because not only are do women have a harder time being perceived as funny, there is always fewer women in the cast. Right. Always, right? Definitely. I, well, actually, I think so. It seemed like there was always like four to five, and there was like 13 people in the cast. Yeah, there's more than 13 people now, though. Yeah. It's probably closer. They probably Did have they a lot Did they hire more. new people this year? Not yet, as no. far as we know. Okay. I don't know when they start for the season. Yeah, that'll be interesting. We're probably going to hear pretty soon who like the first three guest hosts will be. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who they likely will be based on like what's coming out. Oh, on the summer. But they usually like to make an event out of the first right. episode back, right? Like last year was Amy Schumer, I think. She's in a bit of a weird situation. She put out a book this weekend. Okay. Like her memoir came out this weekend. Okay. It's called The Girl with the Lower Back Tattoo. Oh, really? Uh, which is like, that's very in keeping sure. with her character. But there's a writer on her show, and I don't remember his name, but you'd recognize his face because mm-hmm. uh, I think he's been in the show and he's been in other things. Anyway, he said a bunch of stuff in his stand-up that's like sexist and homophobic and maybe even racist. Okay. And so I think they fired him from the show. And then she tweeted something cryptic yesterday, which made it seem like they weren't going to come back with the show. And then oh. she tweeted today, no, we're just on hiatus. Okay. So she's been in the news a lot the last four or five days. I think Tina Fey is overall like one of the hardest working people ever. Like she was doing 30 Rock while she was doing the whole uh, Sarah Palin thing. Oh yeah, like that was insane. That's one of Tina the most I- like one of the most iconic things she's ever done. Definitely the Sarah Palin thing. I forgot. It's about so that. funny that she was such a famous SNL character member after being off the cast. Like she never did characters when she was on the cast, unless the cast was short. That's right. Like not, they not, needed someone. She was kind of like the Seth Meyers in that she was like brought yeah. on as a writer. Right. Although Seth Meyers was 
on pretty regularly like a long time ago like, early he was, on like, he was brought on not as a writer but as a cast member okay and he could do like a pretty good hugh grant and right. that was pretty much it right right um but he's obviously a great writer and they discovered that very quickly and they took him out of sketches they put him at the desk and they made him the head writer yeah and it's a similar uh series of events for tina mm-hmm. um and so maybe that's why in spite of her being a little bit stranger than than Amy, or at least from my point of view, mm-hmm. maybe that's why she's more mainstream because she's more powerful and her show is more uh, successful, I guess. Yeah. But uh, I mean, is, is Amy doing the things that Tina is doing now? They're both doing the occasional movie. Yeah. They're both EPing Sometimes a together. show that's popular. What, which ones are they each EPing? Well, Tina's doing Kimmy Schmidt, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. That's Tina's show. Right. And uh, isn't, isn't Amy Poehler the executive producer of Broad City? Yeah, she is. You're right. Yeah, that's true. They both kind of got their own cool things going on. I don't know how much input Amy has on Broad City, though, because it seems like that's Abby and Alana's show. I think they're kind of, yeah, I think she's kind of just, an advisor. she might give some advice every once in a while and might like front some money. I don't know. And she helped them get Hillary Clinton on the show. Yes, that I believe. Yeah. I, I figured she had everything to do with that. For, yeah, of course. The music on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and on 30 Rock was composed by Tina Fey's husband. He He's kind of brilliant, isn't he? Yeah, I think and so. I read I read that fact today, too, and it didn't really occur to me until I thought back how how noticeable the music was in 30 Rock. Yeah. Like, that I didn't really notice it when it was there, but, like, I could hear it in my head just trying to think back to it. Right. Like, that that's a show that had a score. Yeah. And a lot of shows don't have a score anymore. Unless they're like cop shows, and then it's just like tonal, ominous yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I think it, I, I imagine it would be pretty expensive. Probably, like it's way easier to just use a bam bam, like at the end of or right, just just like a just like a box of yeah, transition. Exactly, you have sound all effects. those things, but but they specifically like need need certain compositions for certain scenes. Yeah. Just Which these like little tough. melodic things that are cheeky and yeah, fun, right? Yeah, I think he's quite brilliant. But like they they've known each other for years. I th- I don't know if they met. Like, was she part of the Groundlings? She, she was in Groundlings. I yeah. think so. Yeah, I read her book. I read Amy's book more recently. Actually, she was in Second City. Was she? Yeah, Chicago. Yeah, I guess yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, and Amy's thing is UCB. Like, she was one of the founding members of that, right? Well, she was one of the founding members, but she came from Groundlings. Okay. So UCB started like you know she got into SNL because she was in groundlings it's hard to keep track of it all and then afterwards her and matt besser and there's two other guys the other guy in veep the older uh, older guy who's a bit of like an oaf matt Besser. oh it's another matt matt besser matt anyways he was he's another one of the founding members and there's one other guy too i think okay and ucb is like huge now oh i know it's 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 an institution it's the dominant institution right now it's I like think. an important well that's where passage. abby and alana came from is it yeah well there you go mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense yeah I wanted to mention and give credit to how impressive it is that the makers of Parks and Recreation created a universe in their show. Yeah. Like the town of Pawnee is not just like a name of a place that they invented. Right. Like they actually learned yesterday. I didn't know this, but the the map of Pawnee, if you look at it, it's just a mirror of Muncie, Indiana. Oh, really? Yeah. But then they filled it in and there's like a breakfast diner in Pawnee that you know about. And there's an anchor man that you know. And... I do love some of the weird history that they have for 
for Pawnee. Like they even oh they even allude to it in the first episode. Like where they're like, this is one of the slaughterings. It's in like the city hall. The murals. Yeah. Yeah. Which the, it's too graphic, uh, so we've had to put a poster board over it. Had to, sometimes there's young children in here, so we had to put a <laughs> poster over it to cover the uh, graphic violence. I love so many. <laughs> That's horrifying. So many of the reoccurring extras in that show, just the, the community members. Like Little Sebastian. and Little Sebastian. But like <laughs> the radio station Crazy Ira and the Douche. Right, like, I, I, and that's Nick Kroll. It's and... Nick Kroll. It's one of his three different credits where he's named douche. Okay. One is also Sausage Party. Oh, nice. I, I really like John Ralphio. He's one of my favorite characters ever. Oh, yeah. So funny. Ben and Schwartz. Jenny Slate's really good in it, too. His sister, Mona Lisa yeah. Saperstein. Right. Yeah, Th- them together are super funny. Their, their dad is played by Henry, Henry Winkler. Winkler. That's yeah. the other thing is that the cameos, in 30 Rock too. the cameos of people. Oh, they're insane. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. It's interesting. Ben Schwartz apparently auditioned for the role of dave the police officer okay who is played by louis ck they oh, right they wanted to i guess the original plan for leslie was that she would have many more love interests throughout the show sure not unlike uh, liz sure. lemon exactly but they they liked the chemistry between her and and adam scott early enough on that it just seemed like it made sense they should pair them up but uh, or one of her early love interests was dave the police officer who was played by louis ck and they wanted him to be more good looking than louis ck right um so they auditioned ben schwartz but he he was too young he came off as too youthful yeah so he didn't get the part and then amy suggested louis ck because they're buddies right and he was really cool in that part but it was he was like super bashful yes wasn't he like that was kind of his whole thing he was really like shy and kind very of, like, shy and, and awkward yeah 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 but like a sweet guy yeah i remember hearing amy poehler say in a panel one time it was when the show was still on. It was on for like a couple more years because the cameos were kind of a, a bit of a, a thing for that show. Who would you most like to have as a cameo in Parks and Rec? And without skipping a beat, she knew the answer. She said, I have always had this fantasy that Bill Murray would play Pawnee's mayor. Oh, wow. Because we've always talked about the mayor of Pawnee. And it's a show that takes place in Pawnee City Hall. Right. But, but you've never, never, never oh, seen wow. the mayor. And then uh, there is an episode in season seven where the mayor of Pawnee dies. Right. And they uproot his video will and it's bill murray Murray? yeah oh that's awesome yeah what's uh what's the newsman's name in it purd happily purd happily i find him so funny as an extra character obviously with purd harris whittles one of the uh one of like my favorite comedians yeah that's the way i was crushed he was on the show a little bit as yeah the animal control control. and he was also a writer he was an executive producer towards the end right. of his life. Yeah. Yeah. He's another good example of like an extra who lives in Pawnee. It's just part of their community yeah. who shows up every now and then. I just reread uh, Aziz Ansari's like tribute to Harris Whittles when Harris Whittles passed away. He was heartbroken. He was heartbroken. But like the things that he wrote in that were so funny. Like the the, the lines that, that Harris Whittles wrote for the show and for these other like prospective shows that might never have gotten picked up. Yeah. They're just so ridiculous. There's one story about an all-staff email that uh, Harris Whittles replied to. I know this story, but keep telling it. And God, I I don't know that I want to say it. Like, basically, it ended up, this all-staff email ended with, like, there's going to be coffee and bagels. And on this (laughs) all-staff email, Harris Whittles, who's, like, one of the writers on the show, replied to all of these NBC execs and everyone else, uh basically like will the bagels be shaped like vaginas (laughs) and then the email sign off for his iphone rather like send from my iphone was sent from an old rotary phone (laughs) (laughs) 
He's just one of he those impossibly so funny people. Yeah. He's got a bit of a haunter, haunting story, though. Like he, he invented the word humble brag. He invented humble brag. Yeah. That's he, what I'm so. He was 29. Like he was, he was so young. He died of a drug overdose. But like in the last couple of years before he died, like he went on a couple of different podcasts. Yep. And talked about the struggle he was having. Yeah. And like he was very open about the fact that he was like not past it yet. No. And still really hurting. And then one day I got up and I checked the internet and he was dead. Yeah. They made a they Things made a really done. a really great compilation of some of his funniest moments on Comedy Bang Bang. Yeah. Which is not a podcast I listen to typically. I know you love it, but yeah. I listened for that mm-hmm. and I just remember him saying, I've said it before and I'll say it again before, but I'll say I've said it before and I'll say it again again. <laughs> yes. And I just think that's so funny. The fact that you can rhyme that off like that is so great to me. I've said it a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a funny guy. That is a funny guy. Any other big famous writers on that show? Uh, on Parks and Rec? Yeah. I don't I don't know about like famous writers. Well, Alan Yang. Right. Um, who, who ended up doing um, Master uh, of None. Master of None. With the right. Z's. He plays bass in Mouse Rat. Oh, Fun I didn't fact. know that. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I have a, I bookmarked a list okay. of all of the different names for Mouse Rat. This okay. is Andy's band. <laughs> right. Um, and like for the first couple of seasons... He changes the band name a lot, yeah. But then, like, it just kind of Mouse Rat kind of becomes a Mouse Rat. becomes a mainstay, right? It definitely was like in the writers' room. People just kept calling it Mouse Rat. This is a long list, okay. And some of them are really funny, and some of them are okay band names, <laughs> right? All right, so <clears throat> Mouse Rat's previous band names include AD and the D Bags, okay. The Andy Andy Andes, <laughs> which is a good band name for like an indie band. Sure, the Andy that's, Andy. That's Andes. cool. Andy, the Andy Dwyer Experience. Angel Snack, Crack Finger, <laughs> Death of a Scam Artist. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah, that's good. Um, <laughs> Department of Homeland Obscurity. <laughs> uh, everything Rhymes with Orange. <laughs> Five Skin. Five Skin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, flames for Flames. Fleetwood Mac Sex Pants. <laughs> Four Skin. Four skin and five skin. Uh, God hates figs. <laughs> uh, hand grill suicide. Okay. Jet jet black pope. Oh my God. Just the tip. Malice in chains. Mouse rat. Muscle confusion. Ninja dick. Oh my God. This is a long list. <laughs> this is my favorite one. Uh, nothing rhymes with... <laughs> <laughs> there was everything rhymes with orange and this is going to be... <laughs> Nothing rhymes with blorange. <laughs> That's too funny. Everything, everything rhymes with orange and nothing rhymes with blorange is fucking hilarious. <laughs> Penis pendulum. Oh, it goes on. Possum pendulum, punch face, champions, puppy pendulum, <laughs> rad wagon, razor dick, <laughs> teddy, bear, teddy bear suicide, which I could hear being like an old 90s band. Right. Three skin. <laughs> <laughs> three skin four skin and five skin i love that those dispersed throughout this list two doors down and scarecrow boat scarecrow boat <laughs> nothing rhymes with blorange is too funny oh god oh that is too funny ah that's amazing i was gonna say uh, when you mentioned purred happily interesting thing about that actor is that he used to be a TV anchorman. Right, I remember you, you telling me You know me this. about this? Yeah. He used to be a TV anchorman. Now he's an actor, but he only plays TV anchorman. <laughs> so he's got like like eight or nine different TV shows that he's been 
an extra in, right. like a like a, a few line part, like the person you would see on TV playing yes. a news anchor, and most prominently, it's Perd Happily right. in in Pawnee, but he I, he showed up in Pretty Little Liars once, and okay. I think like Law and Order or something. Like he'll do serious shows too, right? He'll, but he'll play the TV anchor. I man. still remember a line where like someone asks what their spirit animal is or something, and he just comes <laughs> up and he's like, "Mine was." Doggy. <laughs> Heard happily. I, I don't get it, but it had the cadence of a joke. <laughs> he said that too. Yeah, he's just a funny guy. Uh, that's great. Killer character, you can trust that guy, but not Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Don't trust Will Smith, uh, and never go outside. And me as a schizophrenic cat, 